MSW Media. Thanks to Fast Growing Trees for supporting the podcast. Fast Growing Trees plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans now to get 15% off your entire order. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, September 25th, 2023. Today, Clarence Thomas secretly attended Koch Brothers donor events. Cassidy Hutchinson's Trump paid lawyer, Stefan Passantino, is suing Andrew Weissman for defamation. President Biden has established the first ever Office of Gun Violence Prevention. The Ohio Redistricting Commission selects a Republican working map and sets public hearings. And a judge has ordered the arrest of a far-right blogger named Jacob Engels for contempt of court in a defamation case. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Beans. It was a lovely weekend. Uh, Dana says hello. She sends her love. She is traveling today. As you know, she will be back on Wednesday. There's a new episode of The Jack Podcast out right now. It's got Andy McCabe. It's got me. And it's got SEPA expert, former chief of staff to general counsel for the CIA, Brian Greer. So listen, if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow that podcast. It really helps us in charts. And I want to thank our patrons. We had a really great happy hour Zoom call where people could ask me questions this past Friday. It was absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate you contributing to independent media. I could not do this without you. So thank you so, so much. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from ProPublica on Clarence Thomas. On January 25th, 2018, dozens of private jets descended on Palm Springs International Airport. Some of the richest people in the country were arriving for the annual Winter Donor Summit of the Koch Network, the political organization founded by libertarian billionaires Charles and David Koch. A long weekend of strategizing, relaxation uh, in the California sun and high dollar fundraising lay ahead. Just after 6 p.m., a Gulfstream G200 jet touched down on the tarmac. One of the Koch Network's most powerful allies was on board. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Now, during the summit, the justice went to a private dinner for the network's donors. Thomas has attended Koch donor events at least twice over the years. That's according to interviews with three former network employees and one major donor. The justice was brought in to speak according to staffers, in the hopes that such access would encourage donors to continue giving. That puts Thomas in the extraordinary position of having served as a fundraising draw for a network that has brought cases before the Supreme Court, including one of the most closely watched of the upcoming term. Now, Clarence Thomas never reported the 2018 flight to Palm Springs on his annual financial disclosure form, an apparent violation of federal law requiring justices to report most gifts. A Koch Network spokesperson said the network did not pay for the private jet. Since Thomas didn't disclose it, it's not clear who did. Thomas's involvement in the events is part of a years-long personal relationship with the Koch brothers that has remained almost entirely out of public view. It develops over years of trips to the Bohemian Grove, a secret all-men's retreat in Northern California. Thomas has been a regular at the Grove for two decades, where he stayed in a small camp with real estate billionaire 
Harlan Crow, and the Cokes, according to records and people who've spent time with him there. In a series of stories this year, as we know, ProPublica reported that Thomas has accepted undisclosed luxury travel from Harlan Crow and a coterie of other ultra-wealthy men. Crow also purchased Thomas's mother's home and paid private school tuition for the child Thomas was raising as his son. Thomas has said little in response. In a statement earlier this year, he said Crow is a close friend whom he has joined on, quote, family trips. He also argued that he was not required to disclose the free vacations. Thomas did not respond to questions for this story. The Code of Conduct for the Federal Judiciary lays out rules designed to preserve judges' impartiality and independence, which it calls, quote, indispensable to justice in our society, unquote. The Code specifically prohibits both political activity and participation in fundraising. Huh. Judges are advised, for instance, not to associate themselves with any group, quote, publicly identified with controversial legal, social, or political positions. But the Code of Conduct only applies to the lower courts. At the Supreme Court, justices decide what's appropriate for themselves. Quote, I can't imagine, it takes my breath away, frankly, that he would go to a Coke Network event for donors. That's John E. Jones III, a retired federal appointed judge by President George Bush. Jones said that if he had gone to a Coke summit as a district court judge, quote, I'd have gotten a letter that would have recommended disciplinary proceedings. Quote, what you're seeing is a slow creep toward unethical behavior. Do it if you can get away with it. That's what Jones said. I tend to think we're past the creeping toward unethical behavior and smack dab in the fucking pool full of unethical behavior. But this is what Judge Jones said. The Koch Network is among the largest and most influential political organizations of the last half century, and it's underwritten a far-reaching campaign to influence the course of American law. In a case the Supreme Court will hear this coming term, the justices could give the network an historic victory, limiting federal agencies' power to issue regulations in areas ranging from the environment to labor rights to consumer protection. After shepherding the case to the court, Koch Network staff attorneys are now asking the justices to overturn a decades-old precedent. Now, Thomas used to support that precedent, but he's flipped his position in recent years. Two years ago, one of the network's groups was the plaintiff in another Supreme Court case, which was about nonprofits' ability to keep their donors a secret. In that case, Thomas sided with the 6-3 conservative majority in the Koch group's favor. Charles Koch did not respond to detailed questions for this story, and David Koch died in 2019. And there's a lot more to this. I encourage you to read it. Head to ProPublica. There'll be a link in the show notes. And if you haven't read all of their investigative reporting on the Supreme Court justices, including Thomas and Alito, I really encourage you to check them out. Next up from Nick Evans at the Ohio Capitol Journal. The Republican members of Ohio's redistricting commission set aside their bickering long enough to introduce a new legislative map on Wednesday. Despite objections from the Democrats on the panel, Republicans adopted their plan as the commission's working document. The map's partisan breakdowns are 62 to 37 Republican to Democratic in the Ohio House and 23 to 10 in the Senate. The commission briefly weighed a pair of legislative maps proposed Tuesday by House Minority Leader Allison Russo and Senate Minority Leader Nikki Antonio. Republican members declined to include the proposal as an alternative working draft. They wouldn't even let it be an alternative. The state constitution requires the commission to hold at least three public hearings around Ohio to discuss their proposal. 
And the commission has approved the following meeting schedule. You ready, Ohio? Get out a pen and paper. Friday, September 22nd. Oops, that's passed. That's at Deer Creek State Park, where it was in Mount Sterling, southwest of Columbus. Monday, today, September 25th, at Punderson State Park, east of Cleveland. And Tuesday, September 26th, in the Senate Finance Hearing Room at the Ohio State House. That's the one I would go to. The commission has set each meeting to begin at 10 a.m. local time. Minority Leader Allison Russo kicked off the opposition before a map even came up for discussion. She criticized the compressed timeline of meetings proposed by Senator Rob McCauley, a Republican. Just, you know, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Quote, this seems like a very accelerated back-to-back timeline for public hearings, Russo said. I question the ability to have meaningful public input during these meetings in such a compressed timeline. She also added that holding the third hearing in Columbus is a missed opportunity for other regions of the state. But Secretary Frank LaRose, who previously urged the commission to complete its work by September 22nd, warned against taking more time. Quote, I set the date of the 22nd now. That would be my aspiration. That's what LaRose said. But with each day that goes beyond that, I would say the opportunity for problems grows. I think what he means by problems is informing the electorate. Russo and Antonio sparred with LaRose and Macaulay later over the idea of approving multiple working documents ahead of the regional meetings. The Democrats argued for multiple proposals. LaRose and Macaulay, however, insisted the Constitution contemplates a singular working map. Macaulay handled introductions for the Republican proposal. He emphasized that their district lines don't pair incumbents and reduce city splits to just one. But while Macaulay walked the commission through a series of inset maps demonstrating the cohesion of cities, he didn't dive into the proposal's partisan breakdown. Hmm. Russo seized on that immediately. Am I missing a page? She asked, pressing Macaulay to explain his map's partisan makeup. Constitutional requirements direct mapmakers to aim for a partisan index that reflects voters' recent preferences at the ballot box. During the previous redistricting process, that broke down to a 54-46 split in favor of Republicans. The Republican map's proposal exceeds that proportion significantly. Now, according to Macaulay, the Senate proposal includes 23 seats where Republicans hold an advantage and 10 where Democrats have the edge. For the House, as I said, Republicans have a majority of 62 seats to Democrats 37. That translates to a GOP share of more than 69 percent in the Senate and 62 percent in the House. Nowhere near the 54-46 split. Importantly, Macaulay defined advantage as more than 50 percent of the historic vote share. Russo pressed him again to explain how many seats would be considered toss ups where the majority advantage is two percentage points or less. Macaulay explained for the Senate, three Republican seats and two Democratic seats qualify in the House, three Republican seats and eight Democratic seats are toss ups. Quote, even if we include the toss-up seats in the House, Russo argued, 62 Republicans, 37 Democrats does not meet the proportionality requirements. They're doing this right in front of your fucking faces. So, Ohio, I know you're paying attention. That's, things are not good. And from the White House, just this past week, President Biden has announced the establishment of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention to reduce gun violence which has ravaged communities across the country, and implement and expand upon key executive and legislative action, which has been taken to save lives. The new Office of Gun Violence Prevention will be overseen 
by Vice President Harris, who has been a key leader in the Biden-Harris administration's effort to end our nation's gun violence epidemic. Stephanie Feldman, a longtime policy advisor to President Biden on gun violence prevention, she'll serve as the director of the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, alongside leading gun violence prevention advocates Greg Jackson and Rob Wilcox. They will join the administration as deputy directors of that office. Here's a statement from President Biden, quote, every time I've met with families impacted by gun violence as they mourn their loved ones, and I've met with so many throughout the country, they all have the same message for their elected officials. Do something. It's why last year I signed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act to keep guns out of dangerous hands and have taken more executive action than any president in history to keep communities safe. But as I've said before, while these are important steps, they are just the first steps toward what is needed. That's why I'm announcing additional steps forward with the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention, overseen by Vice President Harris, to build upon these measures and keep Americans safe. The office will include Stephanie Feldman, who has capably led my administration's gun violence prevention efforts and been a trusted aide for more than a decade, alongside leading experts Greg Jackson and Rob Wilcox, whose own lives and families have been touched by this tragedy of gun violence. They have turned their pain into purpose and dedicated their careers to being advocates for change. That important work will continue as they join my team in these new roles. I'll continue to urge Congress to take common sense actions that the majority of Americans support, like enacting universal background checks and banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines. But in the absence of that sorely needed action, the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, along with the rest of my administration, will continue to do everything it can to combat the epidemic of gun violence that is tearing our families, our communities and our country apart. And here's a statement from Vice President Kamala Harris. Every person and every child deserves the opportunity to fulfill their dreams and live up to their God-given potential. Every family in every community should have the freedom to live and to thrive. We know true freedom is not possible if people are not safe. This epidemic of gun violence requires urgent leadership to end the fear and trauma that Americans experience every day. The new Office of Gun Violence Prevention will play a critical role in implementing President Biden's and my efforts to reduce violence at the fullest extent under the law, while also engaging and encouraging congressional leaders, state and local leaders, and advocates to come together to build upon the meaningful progress that we've made to save lives. Our promise to the American people is this. We will not stop working to end the epidemic of gun violence in every community because we do not have a moment nor a life to spare. And in a pair of pieces from Marissa Sarnoff at Law and Crime, a one-time attorney for the White House aide who provided some of the most shocking testimony before the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol has sued a law professor over remarks he made on social media. This is Stefan Passantino, a lawyer who served as White House ethics counsel under the former president, has sued Andrew Weissman, an MSNBC legal commentator and author, over a post that Weissman made on Twitter. Now, Andrew Weissman was also a prosecutor on the Mueller team. Quote, Hunt is also Cassidy Hutchinson's good lawyer, not the one who coached her to lie, unquote. That's what Weissman posted on September 15th, quote, and he is the guy who took notes of Trump saying when Mueller was appointed, quoting him as saying, I'm fucked, unquote. Cassidy Hutchinson, a top aide to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on January 6th, as we know, testified before the select committee that she had been briefly represented by Passantino after being subpoenaed to appear. 
Quote, the less you remember, the better, Hutchinson recalled Passantino telling her at the time. She also testified that Passantino never told her to lie before the committee and that, in fact, he told her not to lie, but that he also told her, I don't recall is not a lie. The alleged remarks sparked ethics complaints and calls for Passantino's disbarment. Hutchinson ultimately hired a separate counsel. Although Hutchinson's bombshell testimony was more than a year ago, and even though Weissman doesn't identify Passantino by name, the former Trump lawyer says Weissman has damaged his reputation of representing his clients honorably and ethically for decades. Defendant Andrew Weissman, a partisan former prosecutor and top deputy to special counsel Robert Mueller turned MSNBC legal analyst, has publicly impugned that reputation, claiming that Mr. Passantino coached his client, Cassidy Hutchinson, to lie in congressional testimony. That's Passantino's defamation complaint filed Friday. This is an insidious lie. Mr. Passantino never coached Mrs. Hutchinson to lie, nor did he attempt to shape her testimony in any way. Now, Passantino said that before the, quote, allegations made surrounding Ms. Hutchinson, he had, quote, never been accused by a client or anyone else of unethical or illegal behavior. It's a first time for everything. This is not entirely true. Also, in 2019, Passantino was among a group of Trump lawyers accused of providing false information to the Office of Government Ethics about whether Trump reimbursed former lawyer and fixer Michael Cohen for alleged hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, a transaction that is the subject of one of four criminal indictments facing the former president. Passantino also says Hutchinson in text messages, quote, expressed contempt for the select committee and in the complaint accuses her of, quote, planning independent leaks of information to major media outlets to make sure it was her narrative that was out here first without the knowledge of Mr. Passantino. The complaint alleges unspecified amounts of damages for Weissman's week old post, which he says, quote, caused him to lose significant business and income. You're going to have to prove that that's a lie, my friend. Good luck. And from the same journalist, same outlet, Law and Crime, a right wing blogger with links to the Proud Boys extremist group in Florida, is now a wanted man after apparently refusing to provide court-ordered information in a defamation case against him. No, I am not talking about Rudy Giuliani, although I could be. Ninth Judicial Circuit Judge James Craner issued a writ of bodily attachment earlier this week, ordering the arrest of Jacob Engels. Give me three points for my fantasy indictment team. It's only been a year and a half. This is the publisher of the Central Florida Post blog. Engels was sued by Elizabeth Cornell, a former candidate, for the Florida House of Representatives in August of 2022 over published allegations he made about her during her primary against fellow GOP candidate Taylor Yarkowski, who went on to win the seat. When Cornell was still a candidate, Engels published a post on his blog in which he, quote, attempted to create a false impression about Cornell's career as a financial planner. That's according to the 2022 defamation complaint. The post allegedly, quote, juxtaposed a series of facts intentionally taken out of context while omitting other facts to create a false impression. He also implied that Cornell, quote, engaged in tortious conduct in her business dealings with clients and claimed to have court documents that incriminated Cornell. According to Cornell, Engels also conspired with political operatives, including Yarkovsky, to undermine her campaign. After months of apparently failing to provide discovery responses, despite being held in contempt and ordered to do so by Judge Craner in April, the judge has finally had enough. Quote, Defendant was held in contempt for failing and refusing to comply with this court's order dated April 28, 2023, mandating compliance with discovery in this matter. 
And that's what the writ says. It goes on to say, defendant received notice of the discovery order as well as a contempt order and order to show cause, yet has failed to purge the contempt. Therefore, it is the sentence of the court that each sheriff of the state of Florida is hereby commanded to take into custody defendant Jacob Engels and to confine and incarcerate him in the Orange County Jail until defendant purges this contempt. Engels has previously been warned that he could face imprisonment and daily fines if he didn't cooperate with Cornell's discovery request. According to the Orlando Sentinel, he's been representing himself since his attorney resigned in April and has missed several court hearings. (laughs) I think we may be looking at the fate of Rudy Giuliani here, as he has also defied court orders for discovery in the Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss defamation case against him, including providing discovery and the payment of previous sanctions. That was due September 20th. Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman have filed a notice that he is late. So put some beans on that. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and it's my favorite time of year, autumn. But it's not just for falling leaves. It's a great season for planting, too. Many plants find fall the perfect time to take root and thrive. When I want to work on my garden or buy a new plant for my office, fastgrowingtrees.com is the only place I trust. Navigating the world of plants is a breeze with fast-growing trees. They offer a wide selection of plants that are tailored to your environment and your preferences. Avoid the hustle of traditional garden centers. Your chosen foliage arrives at your doorstep within one to two days. Whether it's a serene privacy hedge, a cooling shade tree, or sheer natural beauty that you're after, their 24-7 expert support will ensure you make the right choice. With a clientele of over a million content gardeners, they have a real knack for turning novices into experts, (laughs) me included. And with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, the health of every plant is assured for the long haul. I cannot express how happy I am with fast-growing trees. I landed the Autumn Blaze maple I've been dreaming of, and the price was perfect. I'm certain that once you have a chance to browse through their collection, you will be equally as impressed. Listeners to this show get 15% off your entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans, but only through October 15th. That is 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans. Again, fastgrowingtrees.com slash dailybeans. It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. The issues of the day are really complicated. Everybody loves a good hot take, but really understanding an issue takes some digging. I'm Asha Rangappa. I teach national security law at Yale University. I'm a former FBI special agent, and I'm a legal and national security analyst. And I'm Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And we're here to help you understand topics that can't be boiled down to a soundbite or a tweet. Join us each week as we dig deep into pressing legal topics. Listen to It's Complicated anywhere you get your podcasts and check out our YouTube channel. 
Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have anything you want to send in for the good news, whether it's a confession or a correction, or if you want to play what the mutt or what the heck wine, if you want to give a shout out to a local business in your area or your business, I know we have a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and makers and creators in the Luguminati. Please send that information into us. We would love to give you a shout out. If you want to give a shout out to a loved one or yourself, something that you're very proud of that you've done recently. Um, or pod pet tax. And if you can't pay pod pet tax, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area, a photo of your happy place, anything you want to send to us. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. All right. First submission from Terry. Hello, ladies. I have some good news slash a shout out for you. A year ago today, my canine best friend, Jinx, tried to make friends with a porcupine (laughs) while we were on a hike. Long story short, the quills migrated into her lungs. And she had two major surgeries to remove lung lobes. Don't worry, dogs have seven. I thought I was going to lose her, but she's a fighter. And one year later, she's 100% healthy. So here's to my girl Jinx, the toughest dog I've ever met. She is truly my heart. Look at Jinx. Good baby. That's a good dog. I can tell. Thank you for sending that in. Oh, I'm so glad Jinxie's okay. Next up from M, pronouns she and her. Kind of a PSA. The more you know. Please don't feed bread to ducks. Thanks for all you do. Please spread this information. Until recently, I didn't know this, and I suspect there are many others hearing this for the first time. Thanks much, Pod Pet Tax, is my daughter with her dog. Excellent PSA. I had completely forgotten about that. Do not feed bread to ducks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody hear that? No bread. Ducks. And adorable dog. Adorable daughter. At least I love the dress. I mean, I can't see her face, but look at this baby. So, so cute. Nice floors, too. I'm, I'm, I have turned into my mother, by the way. I, I was watching Casino the other night, and when he comes out of the wedding reception and she's on the phone with Lester crying, and he closes the door, I'm like, that is the most beautiful burled walnut I've ever seen. I'm just, I have turned into my mother. That is how it goes. Because when that started was in, I think, uh, what's the one with Al Pacino where he's the, say hello to my little friend, and at the end, and everyone's shot up, and he comes out with the machine guns, and there's in the fountain, and all the firefight, and then my mom's just like, what a lovely foyer, and my dad and I laughed, and so ever since then, whenever I notice weird things like that, I'm like, oh, hey, mom. All right, next up from Eugene, pronouns he and him. This feels appropriate for your good news segment. I took this picture of a little frog perched on a fig right when it was getting ripe. The figs, not the frog. I don't think frogs ripen. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Eugene. Oh, look, what a great photo. I love that. Frog on a fig. Frog on a fig. You have to say it fast. Next up from Dondi, pronouns she and her. Hello, here's some good news. A couple of pictures of my magical, remarkable horse, Kai. I bought him in 1986 when he was seven months old. He's 37 now. Happy, healthy, enjoying retirement with his favorite companion, Piper the Goat. Kai is a purebred horse but his breed isn't particularly common in the U.S., so don't feel bad if you don't know it. All right, let's see here. Oh, he's fluffy. Fluffy horses come from cold places. (laughs) That's the best I got. (laughs) He's got kind of a dish face like an Arabian, but he looks kind of little next to the goat. So I really have no idea, but he sure is fuzzy. 
and adorable. And I love his legs. He's got leg warmers. All right, let's see what we got here. This is an Icelandic horse, a five-gated pony-sized breed native to Iceland. Iceland has not allowed importation of livestock since the 10th century, so the horses there have been purebred for over a thousand years. They're known for their smooth and varied gaits, intelligence, hardiness, versatility, and good temperament. They're also adorably fuzzy in their winter coats. They are. This is the cutest horse. Thank you for that. Icelandic horse. Hmm. Have to check those out. I like him. Next up from Sarah R. Hi, ladies. Just a note to say how much I appreciate the work you do. Thank you, Sarah. This is our rescue pup, Pal. He's got ears for years and a sweet, spicy attitude. Any idea what he might be? Keep up the good trouble. Oh, look it. Okay. Pity. Frenchy. Dachshund? Oh, there's no answers, so I'm correct. It is a pity Frenchy dachshund. Thank you very much. Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. I doubled over laughing out loud at the I'm 50. What's that bird? <laughs> Not quite there, but I hit the what is that bird phase about 40. Took a raptor info identification class. And now I see them everywhere. Raptors were my thing for many, many years. Didn't care about the little squeakers, but that's slowly changing. Hummingbirds and flickers, woodpeckers, they were my next exploration. I looked out my window last week to see this great horned owl staring back at me. I think I kept my swears inside my head. We admired each other for about an hour, and my owl friend also took a nap and did some grooming. I thought you'd enjoy. Love all the pods. Love all the good you both bring to the world. Hello, owl. Hootie Owls. I always think of Christopher Walken. I don't know why. Where do I, Hootie Owls, where do I get that? I think it's a Saturday Night Live sketch. Anyway, thank you so much for that. Incredible. Yeah, I've got this golden shouldered hawk, I think they're called, and family that hangs out because my neighbor has chickens in a coop next door. So I think they're always just like looking for snacks. Um, so I always make sure to tell my neighbor, keep your chickens inside. The hawks are about... All right. Finally, from Susan Sullivan, pronoun she and her. I am a collage artist and love to create birds. Oh, it's the bird episode. Bird, bird. The amazing bird show. The bird show. Um, that was from PCU. If you haven't seen that movie, I actually probably don't recommend it. Uh, she goes on to say at 3 a.m. I had an idea and got out of bed to sketch it. The next morning I completed the jailbird. Art is a great release of frustration with politics. Yes, it is. And I consider this podcast art as well. Look at this jailbird. This is fantastic. First of all, I love the background. Second of all, we've got a Trump bird. It's clearly a Trump bird. The Amazing Bird Show. The tie is too long. That's great. This is wonderful. And the prison bars in the background. So good. Wow. I, how big is this? This is a this is awesome art. Thank you, Susan, for sharing that. And thanks to all of you for sending in your good news and your pictures and the things that you're doing and your animals. And uh, I just absolutely love it. It's a breath of fresh air every day. So please keep sending it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. And I will be back in your ears tomorrow. I'll see if I can get a special guest. I don't know. Maybe I can. Maybe I can't. I'll work on it, though. But until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring everyone with you. Virginia early voting is open now. Go vote and take everyone you can think of with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane. 
with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone. This is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What We're no, Drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. 